Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Bob Dimena. Before we get to Bob, I have a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. If you go there, you see photos of our guests. You can see some stories that they've written, some stories that I've written. You can see links to their social media, and you can see links to our social media. And by that, I mean, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, we, are, uh, we have a link to our Facebook page. You can find links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you uh, find us on there, I don't know what you're listening on right now, but if you are able to give us a good rating wherever you are, please do that because that helps more people find the show and it's a cool thing if you could do that. If you want to write me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, Bob Dimena. Bob is a co-host of the Traveler's Blueprint podcast with his, uh, his co-host, Elliot Shibley. They're about 100 episodes in, as uh, Bob talks about during the interview. They contacted me months ago, and I promptly uh, read the email, set it aside, and forgot about it completely. It happens, folks. You'll get there one day. I don't know why it was so tough to get back to him. I mean, my gosh, I've been on lockdown. It's not like I'm that busy, but things happen. Anyway, I finally got back to them, and I was about to take off on a road trip, so I wanted to record the episode before I left. We had trouble coordinating uh, schedules, so I couldn't get both of them on at the same time, but we did get Bob. No Elliot, but we did get Bob. He lives outside of Philadelphia, so we did a Zoom interview. And Bob just talks about how he and Elliot started the podcast, why they started it. Bob talked about what their mission is for the podcast, for the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. And people ask me, are you competitive with these young upstarts who start (laughs) travel podcasts after we've been on for, oh, what's it, nine years now? And the truth is no. I mean, uh, look, uh, everybody's going to have a podcast at some point, it seems like. If they have a particular take on theirs, more power to them. And in the travel sector right now during COVID, uh, who am I to say who should get in and who should not? Because we are all just struggling trying to make it. So everybody out there, keep the faith, wash your hands, wear your masks, be safe. And we'll keep trying to talk travel, promote travel, because we love it and we miss it so much. So here's me and fellow traveler Bob Demena talking about our favorite subject. Enjoy. The Traveler's Blueprint. Tell me how that started and why. Oh, man. So it started several years ago now. Elliot and I met at an engineering firm in in a town called King of Prussia right outside of Philadelphia. I know so where it is. Both, do you? Yeah. So we sure. both worked for that engineering firm. He is a landscaped architect and I am an environmental scientist. Our professions 
sort of both meet in the middle in the engineering world. We were sent on a two-week project to Manhattan to work together um, and formed a relationship that way. That relationship spurred into an interest in travel, and we decided to explore that interest further. I came to him with the idea to write a travel ebook, uh, essentially an, a, a explaining how you can build an itinerary and plan your travel down to the T. And once we got that rolling, we realized, you know what? Podcasting is booming. It is the media consumption of the future. Let's roll with a podcast and see where it takes us. And each episode brought a new perspective on travel. So, you know, one week we would talk to an adventurer. The other would be a travel blogger. The next week would be a tour guide. Whatever interests us, we brought them on. And and we've been doing it ever since. That's great. How long ago was that first trip to New York? It's, man, I it's been, it's been four or five years, five years. Yeah, it's been quite some time. And when did you start the podcast? We started the podcast two years ago. Two about years this ago. time, yeah, about this time, two years ago. And how many episodes are in? Have you got done? We actually, this week was our 100th episode. Congratulations. What was the, um, uh, what's your take on travel? Is it like adventure travel? Is it luxury travel? What kind of travel is it? My pitch is on well-planned travel. <laughs> However it is you prefer to do it, I just want to help people plan it as best they can. So if you are a backpacker, I want to help people achieve uh, or, or help them, guide them through the research that they have the best back backpacking experience possible. If you're a luxury traveler or you're a vacationer, then I want to help you do it that way. Uh, my personal preference is to be somewhere right in the middle. I don't, I have not backpacked through Europe or through Asia, and I have not spent a time on a yacht in the Mediterranean. I'm kind of just running right down the middle there, and I do a little bit of both. I'd like to stay in a nicer hotel sometimes, but I also like to get a little dirty and hike through, you know, the the, the jungle or, you know, whatever it may be. <laughs> now, is Elliot the same way, or are you two different on the way you travel? Elliot is more of a backpacker. He's a walker, and he's not really a planner. So I am the mastermind behind the planning, and he's kind of a experience it as you go. And that's kind of where we meet, and that sort of brings a good relationship to the podcast. Does that drive you crazy on the road when he doesn't make, want to make a plan? It, 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 I don't know if it drives me crazy. I, I embrace it because I understand that my meticulous travel planning can be annoying to other people. And I also realize that my over planning can remove potential experiences. You know, I, I might not, that spontaneity, that just learning on the fly, taking people's advice, taking the cab driver's advice or the waiter's advice on where to go and what to do is all part of the travel experience that I often don't get to experience because I already have my itinerary laid out for me. So when Elliot and I went to Peru last year, we ended up getting a mix of it. We had the itinerary. He did let me draw up an itinerary and we kind of had it day by day, essentially what we could do. And then we played it out uh, each morning. And if we ended up sticking to the itinerary, great. But if we had something present itself that might have been better than what we had planned based on information we learned on the fly, we went with it. How many trips have you taken together? That it, uh, Outside of the country, just that one. Yep. And then 
New York, yeah, and there might have been one or two. We've done kayaking trips throughout the United States and things like that, but yeah, that's really it. Are there any trips that and moments that stand out in your mind that your different types of travel conflicted? And oh, you said, yeah. okay, well, <laughs> give me well, one example. Well, he, he's the type of guy to wake up in the morning and say, okay, what are we going to do? And you waste the time, you open up your phone, you know, you try to figure out where can we eat. In my mind, that should already be taken care of. I want to wake up, get a shower, put on my shoes and run out the door because my time is limited in this location. So it's a, it, it, his process is, is gradual, it's laid back, but to me it's, it's wasteful. And it's it you waste your time that way. Uh, a good experience with the two of us. We were in Peru, and it was one of the days where I just let him take the lead. You know, whatever you want to do, you do it. Because the next day or the day before, I forget what it was, was a very structured day because we had uh, reservations and things like that. So we ended up just walking. He's a big walker, and so we walked uh, every square inch of the city of Cusco, and. At one point, we ended up in this neighborhood. He he opened his phone and he saw a green space. And he's like, we need to go to this green space. Let's go check it out. It looks like a nice little park. Let's go see what it is. We spent hours walking. And we made it through the touristy area of, of Cusco and eventually into a more uh, residential area. And then it started to get a little sketchy. The buildings started to look <laughs> a little bit more decrepit. And I'm like, you know, where are you taking us? We finally get to the green space. And it was a, it was a playground for a school. It wasn't even a park that we could enjoy. It was all fenced in. And if I were in the lead, if I, if, if you were to follow one of my itineraries, that would have never happened because I would have had it planned out better. Is there a flip side to that, though, when his lack of planning actually made a good story that made it better? And a good well, here day? I am. Here I am talking about it. And, and you know, so I, I don't know if, if I, 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 I did... Ultimately, I do find that enjoyable, that that time we spent together just walking, just talking, just looking around and taking it all in without having to whip out a piece of paper or take out my phone to say, no, we need to make a right here, make a left here. It was just mindless. But at the same time, mindless created a more thoughtful experience because it was just an experience that him and I had got to enjoy. There was actually another guy with us um, that the three of us got to enjoy without overthinking it. I don't know. At, I, I do like it. At this point, have you rubbed off on each other in some way that maybe he, you're a little looser now than before you met him and then maybe he plans a little bit more now? I, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, I think that is right. I mean, I, the, with the podcast too, I'm now talking to so many people about travel and the way that one can travel is just, it just varies. And what I... What I tried to avoid and what I may have been guilty of previously was being a quote-unquote travel snob. And I, I don't even know if that's the right word for it, but I thought my, my way was the best way. And other people might have done it wrong. And I don't see it that way at all anymore. The, the more experience I've gained talking to travelers, I understand that there are tons of ways you can do it. And they're all right. You know, and, and so that's sort of where I am now. I am more lenient. My wife and I still very much like she's with me. And that's why we work well together and we travel well together. She wants a very thought-out travel itinerary. And now my other, my partner, <laughs> uh, is is not that way at all. And so I kind of am trying to get the best of wor both worlds. But I did actually commit to someone who I had on the podcast who just buys a ticket and goes. Doesn't even have an accommodation booked. 
just just buys the ticket and goes. And I said, you know what? Next time I have the opportunity, I'm gonna text you, see where you are in the world, and I'm just gonna buy the ticket and show up. And you're gonna, I'm just gonna ride along because I need that experience. I think that's important to have as many experiences as you can. I mean, just buying the ticket and going is uh, less brave now with the with the internet you know and phones and everything like that i mean yeah it's it's a hell of a lot easier now to do things on the fly but uh, i think i'm a little older than you and i remember a time where to take off without any itinerary or anything booked or anything before phones and the web that was that was pretty ballsy uh just showing up with a uh lonely planet guide (laughs) in, in your in your backpack that uh that was a little more bold, but uh, now you can do it though. As long as you got a Wi-Fi connection, you can you can do a lot. Right? Yeah. I, well, there's there's still these areas though of the world that if you go without any planning, I mean, they don't always have service, right? And to me, oh that's no, just, yeah. I meet a lot of especially young people who uh, have no idea how to read a, a paper map. You know, they they're really bad with directions. They're just used to punching it in the GPS and going. I go, hey, you got to know how, where you're at and how, how to get places <laughs> or you're going to get, A, you yeah. could get ripped off by a cab driver or wherever it is, or you can do what you do and, and, and wander into a bad neighborhood or you could pay more for transportation. And uh, when it was like, oh, you realize you, you just spent $10 on a cab when you could have walked for 10 right. minutes. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So it's all these little things you got to, yeah. Learning how to read a map, I think, is an invaluable Skill. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, is you are do you differ in the in the ways of like is one of you more active? I know he likes to walk, but are you like you know you said you went river rafting? Is that yeah, you more outdoor both, adventure guys? We both are. Yeah, we're both in uh, pretty good shape. We like to stay in shape, so exercising is important for both of us. So it makes it easier for planning trips. We both do want to be outdoors. If there's a hike of around, we want to go to it before coronavirus we actually were planning to go to new zealand together and hike throughout the the country that seems unlikely for potentially the next year or two so um i don't know what we're gonna do yeah it seems too hard to plan travel now didn't you say you went rafting somewhere in america here yeah it was it was in pennsylvania okay yeah okay um so I've I got from the website that you guys started the podcast mainly because you you were settling down. Do you have kids? I do. Oh, I do. I, yep. <laughs> and this is your way to travel vicariously. Two year old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried traveling with a two year old? I was supposed to be leaving for sixteen days in Italy in one week with a two year old. Ooh. Boy, you might have yeah. dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> well, it's rescheduled for May now. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it, we. I, I would have been. It would have been our first trip. We. So my wife and I, both big travelers, we talked about it, and you know, you have one option: do you continue to travel? And the other option is: do you not continue to travel? And ultimately, the the hardship we were going to face with having to bring a toddler on an airplane and through Italy was was not as bad as not doing it at all. How about road trips? Have you at least been doing that? 
Uh, n- not yet. No, not this summer. Uh, we are actually going to the Finger Lakes now in place of Italy. So in, in a week, we are going to go drive out to central New York. The Finger Lakes, uh, if anybody's familiar with them, they're be- it's beautiful. It- it's a great place to drink wine and just sort of relax. It's a good spot to get a cabin away from people. Uh, kind of the perfect... Uh, coronavirus vacation spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you, if you drink enough wine, you can pretend you're in Lake Como. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we're still getting wine in a week, yeah, so that's what's important. Yeah. As long as the wine is still there, you can, right. you can imagine a lot. Right, right. Uh, has Elliot been locked down as well, or is he taking road trips too? He's been locked down as well. He had a bunch of trips planned this year. Throughout the summer, he was actually going to, speaking of wine, he had a trip planned to Sonoma Valley. He had a trip planned to Iceland. He had time to spend in Chicago. He had, I'm probably missing some, he had a lot of plans. He's not, he doesn't have a kid yet. He is married. So he does have a little bit more flexibility with his travel. And so... Unfortunately, obviously, those were all canceled as well. Can you work remotely? Yes. So both of us are actually working remotely. That is something that we're both incredibly fortunate to be able to do is to sit down. Neither of us have had any hiccup with our professional careers. We've both just worked straight through this coronavirus, um, this pandemic up until uh, this moment. Um, it's been it's been a seamless transition. And we're, we're obviously we're incredibly fortunate for that. So we can plug the uh, podcast right now. And if people want to go check out the podcast, what are, are there a couple uh, introductory episodes that you would recommend to them? Some of your favorites? You know, I, I would say just jump right into it. it the, the titles are self-explanatory and each one is different. There are tour guides, adventurers. There are people who just share travel stories. The, and then there's some of them are just Elliot and I uh, just going over the most recent travel news. There's, it's it's hard to nail down our niche. We kind of just our niche is we talk about what we're interested in and we find people we're interested in hearing more about, and that's where yeah. we are. That's kind of mine as well. There you go. Um, yeah. So did either of you ever have any kind of broadcast experience? No, no, we are self-taught. We are both we both come from a science and engineering background and we just with with the interest in travel. This has all been quite a learning experience trying to essentially we're, we're I mean we're we're podcast producers now and I kind of forget that part of it because I just feel like a podcast host, but we're also podcast producers, podcast marketers, podcast you know, content creators, whatever it is, social media creators, the, the list goes on and on. And we're just kind of falling into this position and learning as we go. Do you do Instagram and, and solely that or are you, you got a YouTube channel as well? What is your other outlets? So we do, man, we are on multiple podcasting platforms and that's sort of Elliot's area. And I am the one who is managing Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube so right now we post to Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter daily. It usually one to two posts, maybe a day. And then we have our videos. We, we record our podcast and the video goes to YouTube. We break it down into a few clips, one minute snips, we call them. And we'll post those to Instagram and YouTube. And then we're now actually going to start posting the entire hour episode to our YouTube page. Uh, we were doing 15 minute clips as well. So we are on, if you can put content on it, we do it. Yeah. 
when you travel, is one guy holding the camera and one guy always on camera, or do you switch it up? We switch it up. Yeah, we 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 share the screen time or the the <laughs> FaceTime as whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we switch it up. We joked because when we went to Peru, we went with a third guy, and we told them the only reason we were inviting him was to be our photographer. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of gear are you? Are you? Do you get a nice camera, or do you shoot most of this on phones? A lot of it is on. A lot of it is on my phone. I have a, a Sony A six thousand. I think it's called. I, I'm not a big camera guy. I have to be honest. Um, I'm not into photography. I'm into capturing the moments. But as far as the tech goes, I, I don't know too much about cameras. So I, I I remember researching it when I bought the Sony, and it was compact. And it was easy to use, and it was a pretty good starter camera. So I went with that, and I haven't had the need to upgrade yet. As far as I'm concerned, the pictures are good enough, and that's <laughs> that's where I am. Yeah. Is one of you traveling a uh, a more picky eater, or can you decide pretty quickly where to eat and where to go? Yeah, no, neither of us are picky, but Elliot is uh, the foodie. He's the food snob. So he appreciates the good meal. He's the guy, you know, he puts it in his mouth and maybe lets it sit for a minute, whereas <laughs> I just go for it. And the biggest concern we have with our meals is he wants to, he wants to share. So he looks at it as you get one thing, I get the other thing, we each try it, and I just want my meal and I want to consume it. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm just kind of – I shovel it in my mouth and I'm ready to keep going. Right. <laughs> Was uh, what are the countries you haven't been to that are the highest on your bucket list? Well, I would like to. Hmm, I'm gonna I want to break this down a little further. Is this for family or is this adventure with Elliot, or is uh, it just the general? Let's start with Elliot. Okay, I, I would like to go to New Zealand, but with him. So our trips together are going to be more adventurous because when we go together, we're not going to have children or wives or whatever it may be. So we're going to do New Zealand. We already plan on hiking Kilimanjaro together at some point in the future. He's been to Tanzania. I have not, but that's a, that's a mountain that's from the research I put in is, uh, technically easy, meaning you don't have to do a lot of technical climbing. It's a walk up. Well, I did it. Oh, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. If you got questions, shoot. Yeah, so I mean, is that correct? For, yeah, for it's I, not. It's not a technical climb. There's no uh, ropes or anything like that. It's pretty much a trail. Right. It's right. the altitude that gets people. That right. the altitude's a tough thing. How many days did it take you to get up? I did the shortest route, which has the cabins on it. Okay. And uh, that took five days, which many experts would say is too too short. You want to give uh, more time, have an acclim- acclimatization day, and take your time. It's all about going slow. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, just go as slow as you can. You know, I bet seven days is probably more apt. You know, I did five and that's probably too short because there is a couple of people got altitude sickness. I think I got a bit of of altitude sickness. But um, the the thing that I was reading is that a lot of people will they'll give themselves, let's say, five days total. And yeah. and they they'll fail. They won't be able to go up in time. They'll rush through it, and they they just they get overwhelmed by altitude sickness, and they end up quitting or having to be forced down the mountain too early. So, hey, he's going right. with me, and I'm the planner. We're gonna be okay. <laughs> just break in your boots. Don't try right. to do it in new boots. Right. That's bad. New boots are bad. Break them in first. And you know, just being in good shape and having you know decent legs. I mean, you don't go long distances every day. Right. But right. Uh, you know, but. It's better to be in good shape than in bad shape. 
that helps yeah. a lot. But altitude yeah. affects everybody differently. Yeah, I get hit pretty hard. I've been okay. hit by altitude sickness pretty hard a few times. Yeah, so uh, slow, slow. They'll just keep saying pole, pole, which means slow in Swahili. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been hit with altitude sickness, and it's, it's in Cusco. Fun. In Cusco, got me. Cusco yeah. got me. Yeah, it did. Well, we made the mistake of uh, getting to Cusco, and I think it was the first night we were there. We made the typical gringo mistake of hitting the bars, and... The next morning, I might as well have just been actually dead. It was just so hard to get up and get moving. And I was so dehydrated um, that I just, it was hard to cope. And we, that was a busy day. We actually had the plan to go from Cusco to Machu Picchu that day. And I was dragging. I was really dragging that whole, that whole time. Are you drinking coca tea? I did the I put they threw the cocoa in I did the I did the coca tea I did it all I did it all anything they threw at me to to help uh, <laughs> I, I tried yeah <laughs> what's the craziest thing you ever ate on the road um I ate a fried guinea pig in Peru I had that yeah koi it was delicious um it's a delicacy was, there. Yeah, I I thought it was great when you rip the little legs off. They're kind of like it was little a, chicken legs. Yeah, it was a lot of work though for not a lot of meat. That's what I thought. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there was a town when we were driving through. I don't remember the name, but as you're driving through, there are people on either side, Peruvians on either side of the road, and they put the guinea pigs on long sticks and they just stick them into the window of your car. <laughs> you can just grab it right off the stick, a dead fried guinea pig. You hand them money and you can just keep going without having to worry about stopping. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, I I was in Thailand and I stopped short of eating bugs. I really wanted to do it. And then I got there and I looked at them and I just opted out. <laughs> Any sicknesses or injuries on the road ever? No, I've been pretty I've been pretty lucky. I have a pretty strong gut. And I've never broken a bone. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been fortunate. No, I don't have any. I don't have any good uh, horror stories in that in that regard. How about flights or uh, run-ins with cops or border patrols? You know, uh, we we've had pretty seamless experiences. See, this is why I'm such a good travel planner. <laughs> uh, you know, I and and I think it would probably be stronger for me to say that no i i would do the research i would understand what it looks like at the 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 border crossing i would actually go on google maps and drop the street view guy at the border crossing and so i can see it before i get there when i drove through croatia i i would put the google street view guy on the highway and just kind of click down the highway so i could see what their street signs looked like so by the time i got there I understood the layout of street signs and things like that, and so this, I, when I when I tell you that I really that I plan these trips out, I, I really I really spend um, day, like I, I don't even know how many hours I put into some of these itineraries, but I'll start planning a trip out um, six months before I even go. Well, let's more. do a let's do a tech question then. What are your go to sites for research? So I'm a big fan of Google, Google Flights, Google My Trips. Google Maps. I create maps. So you can go into Google My Places and create a map and then connect it to your itinerary and have the entire layout of your trip in map form and print form and use them together. 
So you can whip out the map and understand the exact distance it's going to take. And when you create it on a map, so if you're going to a city, let's say Rome, for example, if you're going to Rome and you want to hit all of the major tourist attractions, the Colosseum, the Forum, Trevi Fountain, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever else you might want to go see, laying it out on a map allows you to visually see it from an aerial view, the best route you can take. So you don't make the mistake of going north and then going south to only go north again. And when you plan it this way, you just save time. You have more time there because you did all of the work before you got there. And that's sort of my whole MO is do the work before you even leave. So when you get there, it's seamless. How yeah. are, yeah. Uh, do you use apps other than Google when you're on the road? I mean, there are certain go-tos. When I'm on the road, uh, no. Most of my, my, whole, my whole philosophy is do it before you go. I've used like Google Translate and things like that. I've had mixed results depending on the country. I don't think it worked in Hungary, but then I think it did work in Croatia and Sweden. So I was having mixed results. I think they've upgraded their system since then. But I'm a big fan of Google Flights. Google Flights has a ton of different tools that you can use to plan your or to make sure you buy a very cheap ticket if you if you do it right and you track it for long enough and you wait and you're patient. Um, <clears throat> And then I'm a big fan of looking into like the State Department's website, understanding the country, religious, you know, if, if you are traveling to a religiously conservative country, understand the social, the social norms there. Uh, there's a ton of there's a ton of things that you need to consider before you go to a country. If you want to not if you, if you don't want to have run in with border control police and, and have health problems or, or break bones or fall off cliffs that you didn't know. Or if you don't want to just anger the locals. Right. Oh, yeah. that's well. That's a big part of it too. Um, I'm a big advocate of thoughtful travel, being not only thoughtful in the sense that you want to have a thoughtful experience, but being thoughtful of the people that you're, the population that you're going to be there. A lot of I think a big problem for American tourists is they go to these locations and they think they they get off the cruise ship into Venice and all of a sudden Venice is there for them. And that's not the case at all. You're walking into someone else's livelihood, someone else's culture, someone else's home. And you should be going there to respect that and observe and participate, not assume that it's revolving around you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that and cruise ships, I'm assuming in Croatia you went to Dubrovnik. I did. Yeah. Which just dumps out about five, six cruise ships a day in the old town. It just gets choked. Yep. Where else in uh, Croatia did you go? So we went, we went all over. We had a car. Uh, and so we were pretty free to just drive everywhere we wanted to go. We started in Zagreb, which is the capital. It's up near Hungary. Yep. We we rented a car there. So we made our way. We took a bus from Budapest to Zagreb and grabbed a car in Zagreb and then made our way down to the coast. First, we stopped at Plitvis National Park. If anybody has not the been lakes. to that park yet and plans on going to Croatia, you have to go there. One of the most beautiful national parks that I've ever experienced in my entire life. Uh, and I can make a recommendation for that park, though. I went in August. I don't recommend going in August. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it was, uh, in- well, only because it was so crowded. It was so crowded when I was there. That is, so here's a tip for, <laughs> for travelers. Travel on the tail ends. So I don't travel between June and August. And if I do, I try to avoid the, the Venices and the, the Italy's. And the I'm the same way, man. I wait yeah. till the kids go back to school. 
Exactly. See, if you can do it now, pretty soon your kids are going to go to school and you're going to be on that timeline. I know. I know. I'm already <laughs> thinking of, uh, you know, the two weeks of missing school isn't yeah. going to be that bad. <laughs> no, but, early September, anywhere around the Mediterranean, September is the month. We, the August we, crowds are gone. The water's still warm. Uh, it's great. Yeah. We were in Croatia in mid-September and it was perfect. perfect. Yeah. There was a tour that we went on. Um, it was a boat tour out into the Mediterranean to pick oysters out of the water and eat them right there on the boat fresh. And it was a normal tour, but because it was the tail end, it was only my wife and I. That was it. We were the only two. So we had this private boat to the Mediterranean where they picked oysters and clams right out of the water, fresh as can be. We squeezed a little lemon on them and we ate these, these the freshest oysters that I'll probably ever have in my life right there. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I've been to Croatia four or five times. I love it. It's oh, really yeah. great. Yeah. And you go up the coast to Split and then Korchula and all those um, along yeah. the Dalmatian coast. and Yeah, we did that whole week. We, so we went from Zagreb to Plitvis to Zadar. From Zadar? Yep. Zadar, we, I was we, there. Be, that that might have been um, one of the, uh, to my opinion, the most underrated city in, in Croatia. I loved it. There in Split, don't get enough attention. But we, we grabbed the car and we put it on a ferry and we took the ferry with our car to Havar and then had a car on Havar driving around through the lavender fields and everything. And that was amazing. Then we had to drive our car back onto the ferry and then we continued down the coastline, ultimately going into Bosnia and uh, Montenegro and, and Herzegovina. Well, wow, I, I haven't been to those three. Uh, I, I know that they're not as built up for tourist infrastructure. So, and is I hear there's a marked difference when you leave Croatia and go to say Serbia. I don't know about Bosnia, but uh, they're much poorer countries usually. I mean, do you find that? Uh, yes. So when we made it into Bosnia, <clears throat> I, I don't. They don't get a lot of tourists driving through. A lot of them are on established guided tours from Dubrovnik to Kotor. And so we drove through and we got into the rural part of the country and the mile markers were rocks with spray paint on them. And we realized that it was nothing like Croatia. And it's it, it really comes down to them not having the the coastline so they don't get the same tourism that's coming to their country. But well, as we got closer to Kotor and we saw more buildings and we were leaving the rural area, we started to see buildings still with... Uh, damage from the war there were there were bullet holes in buildings there were uh, holes from some sort of missile or you know bombing of some kind and then you get to Couture and it's beautiful and it was amazing and I highly recommend it I loved it there and so but yeah it is still war-torn I haven't gone to Serbia so I don't know but if it's if it's anything like Bosnia then they're still cleaning up you know from yeah. the war almost 30 years later yeah, yeah, and that's and that's it's all it's all about the the tourism dollars. Croatia lucked out with the yeah with the coastline, and that's what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. did how, what are the prices in like Bosnia? Uh, they got to be cheaper than Croatia. I mean, they were they were cheaper, but again, you know, once you get to Kotor and that bridge, it's all every shop there is surviving off of Western tourists and their dollars, and everything was marked up. I mean, we I, I ended up meeting this this guy. He was hand crafting this jewelry from, I guess it was brass, but we were watching him take raw material and mold it and shape it. And we ended up buying a ton from him because it was just so unique. And I I, I can't remember the exact price now, but we bought, I mean, our sisters and our mothers, we were buying this stuff for so many people. And it was just a fraction of what we would have paid for that same thing in any Western country. 
No, well, I, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think the future of travel is in this COVID world, this post-COVID world? I think I think for the next two years, we're looking at everybody's radius shrinking dramatically. I think we are, as a nation, as the United States is concerned, American citizens are looking at traveling within our country. I think the EU locked out a little bit because they'll be able to migrate or, or travel into the into the surrounding bordering nations. But um, I think we're looking at scaling everything back and our, all of our worlds are going to get a lot smaller for the, for the next, I think, I think year I'm, I'm hopeful that travel will pick up by spring of 2021, but I'm not incredibly optimistic that that's actually going to happen. And even after it does, I'm not optimistic that normal as we saw it will ever come back i think masks are not going to go away um even if they're not required i think you're still going to see people wearing masks all the time i think there's major psychological damage that this virus is going to cause on the global population and um i don't know i don't know i i just for right now i'm focusing on the united states uh what i can do in the states that surround me, you know, I'm right in the Philadelphia area and I have a lot of good cities nearby, but, um, I, I, it's so hard to tell. I'm just, I think if I were to talk to somebody who had no experience in the travel world and said, Hey man, you know, what can I expect? What do, what should I do? I would say, look in your own backyard, look in the states that neighbor you look for national parks that you can drive to. I think a good general rule is put your house in Google Maps and look in a 300-mile radius and start there because I think you'll be surprised what you can find in that small in that small radius. Yeah, it's um it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. It is weird. Yeah, it's it's I, I I don't even know how to deal with it sometimes because I'm trying to my whole life it has been about travel and you and me both, brother. Right. And, so and, now, and for mine, I'm a live performer. So that screwed that uh, area. Yeah. You know, so it's like my entire business, all my business is finished. Right. You're lucky and, you can work from home. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Oh, believe me. Believe me. I know. Um, are you, do you have travel plans or? When this comes out, uh, my plan, I'm recording this August 28th. So in a couple of days, well, on Monday, in a few days, I'm planning on driving. Speaking of national parks, uh, I'm going to knock off the last two uh, states that I haven't been to, which are Wyoming and Montana. So I want to go to Yellowstone and uh, Teton and Glacier National Park. And perfect. yeah, that's my... And then I'll, I would have done this country. I'm done. I'm out. And now yeah. I can't leave. Yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> Yeah, and and you so you've done it all. Well, now, you can't ever do it all, but right. I hate the term bucket list, but I've I've been using it. But those are the last things I've really wanted to see the, the highlights of this country. I mean, Yellowstone is a big highlight of this country. I mean, foreign visitors know all about it, and they always want to see it for good reason because it's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, and and people can't believe I haven't seen it yet. So I got to do it. I, and Yellowstone- uh, now I got all time to drive. <laughs> I got nothing but time, brother. That's why I wanted to record this before I left. Right. I, I, I think it's a great opportunity for you to just gain more about um, 
the country and how it's dealing with it. And I think it, I think it would make for good content. I think you should bring that back to the podcast and maybe talk people through like this is the United States in the COVID-19 world. I think it would be interesting <laughs> yeah. to hear you go around to different towns and parks and meet people who are all coping with it in different ways and maybe bring that to light through your podcast. Um, from a six foot distance. From a six foot distance. Yellowstone's great though. That to me, I haven't been there yet, but that's, I always look at Yellowstone as what the United States probably looked like before it was all just completely. Before we ruined it. <laughs> Before we just built over top of every square inch. I mean, yeah. obviously there's plenty of open space left in the United States. But to me, like with the bison and the packs of wolves and the bear and everything, the wildlife, that sort of resembles in my head anyway what the United States used to look like. Yeah. Well, I hope you can get out on your um, on your uh, journeys and, and get, at least get the family out there. You're going to enjoy the Finger Lakes. That'll be nice. Yeah, yeah, it's it'll be nice to step away from everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, give me your um, plugs as well. Give me your uh, social media handles. Where can people find you on Instagram and your website and everything else? Yeah, thetravelersblueprint.com. And that's our handle for Instagram, Facebook, um, everything. The Travelers Blueprint Podcast. Yeah, check it out. What have you learned from travel? How has it changed you as a person and how you look at people in the world? It's... it's <sighs> So the world is a big place. It's hard to describe it as getting bigger, but I just, the diversity of the planet really resonates with me. And I, I'm, I've always been a curious person. And so I'm addicted to just learning as much as I possibly can. And I don't know, each, each with each person I meet and each new meal I try and each new city I get to experience and unlearn the history of it, uh, it changes me. I grow. I'm more appreciative of other cultures and other people and relationships that I have. And it just all, it, it's humbling and it's just very gratifying to, to be able to travel and talk about travel and learn about travel because um, to me, I, this is all we have, you know, we have the planet and we have the people who occupy it. And I think it's important to not take it for granted and realize it and, and, and enjoy it as much as we can. Um, and that's, that's how it's changed me with each person I, I learn uh, more. That's great. Uh, but thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for so much for having me on. Good luck. Sure. On your trip too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, people check out the Traveler's Blueprint, where you find your podcasts. Thanks, Bob. Hey, Bob. Tell me a friend. I love